Yes, people, we are live at the Albert JTV household. Live Stories is back upon our screens once again. Episode 14, people. Oh, I'm honoured. <laughs> I got the number 14. I love it. But, but before we get into it, people, let's hear that serene intro. Announcement time. Live Stories is back on your screens. Hashtag episode 14. Joining me in the hot seat is my very special guest at Arsenal Mo 8. People, this will be a show full of intrigue. People, welcome back to Albert JTV. Hashtag Life Stories. And there you have it, people. Life Stories, as I like to call myself, the 21st century Michael Aspel with a bit of street cred. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. We'll let the we'll let the viewers be the judge of that. But people, as I always say, don't sm obliterate the like button, don't smash it, obliterate it. Um, and yes, audio listeners, you will not be neglected. So all um anchor and spotify people be on your best guard because I will put this out later. As you can see, people, I have a very special guest with me. This is this is gonna be an intriguing however long it's gonna take, Mo, but um, we're not keeping too long, mate. But Firstly, thank you for agreeing to come on the channel. And yes, welcome to Albert JTV, mate. Listen, man, it's an absolute pleasure. And you don't need to thank me. It's uh, I'm glad to be on. And also, like I was just saying off off camera to you, you know, that um, just even when you like started, when you approached me, started speaking to me, I just got a good vibe from you. I got good energy from you. I thought, let's do it, man. Let's uh, happy to talk and get stuck into a decent conversation with you. No, I appreciate it. Much love, bro. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah, this, this content series is... Um, you know, I, I brainstorm a bit sometimes, obviously, when I think about content, but this just kind of just hit me overnight. I thought, you know what, let's let's have a, let's have a go and see where it goes. So, fourteen episodes in, man, and um, yeah, it's um, I take you away from the blood and thunder of Twitter for a little bit, mate. Not 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 too long, but yeah, um, it, it's like that. But yeah, Mo, before we get into it, um, let's go to chat quickly. Of course, my Arsenal family is in there. Um, Levis and Shaheen, big up to you guys, man. Thank you, man. G Talks is in there. Thank you, brother. I hope you recovered from the um the, the, the previous day, which was very interesting, Arsenal Tottenham. But Bo, before we get into it, I just want to quickly ask you your thoughts about a big game tomorrow, mate. Um, I don't know if you're going or not, but um, what's your feelings and your thoughts about um Arsenal's recent form coming into this very important North London derby? I am going, and um, and yeah, I mean, look, you know, God willing, but basically, I'm nervous. I really am very nervous about the game tomorrow. But in a way, in a way, like I'm, I'm nervous um, on the 90 minutes, but I'm not that nervous about the wider context this game represents because yeah. if I was a Tottenham fan, I'd be nervous about both. But as an Arsenal fan, we don't need to win this game. And yes. you know, I find that when you say that, I'm, I'm saying that from like a very like sort of like factual mathematical point of view. We can get top four without winning this game. It's just a simple fact. Whilst for Tottenham, they cannot get top four if they lose the game and it will be very difficult for the end top four if they don't win the game so it, this does not speak for my ambition in terms of what i want to see when i go to white Hart lane this speaks for just the cold hard facts so yeah i'm nervous about the actual game itself because you never want to lose to tottenham but if we do lose to tottenham i'm not nervous for what it means for our top four ambitions because we can still do it right do you see what i'm saying yeah 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 of course Mo, do you think it works? I, I think it does. I mean, listen, our, our record away to Tottenham is wretched. Uh, it's been a long time since we've gone there and won, but 
I think it works in our favour just in a little bit. Obviously, Spurs need to win the game, but um, sometimes when we play the bigger sides with less possession of the ball, we seem to be more of a threat, I think, personally, in the bigger games, which is which is not been said about Arsenal teams in previous years, should I say. So do you think that works in our favour, that we, we, we don't have to go on the front foot as such? Actually, no, Albert, I don't. I think it works in Tottenham's favour. And, okay. and the reason being is because... Firstly, they are the home team. So it's much easier to execute whatever plan you have when you are the home team. So even though I get your point that, yeah, we're the away team with less possession and stuff and perhaps making us more dangerous on the counter, I think the biggest dynamic as to why I think it works in Tottenham's favour is because it's such a simple task for Tottenham. Go and win. With Arsenal, we have to contend with different kind of thoughts going on in terms of Winning, yes, we get top four. As long as we avoid defeat, it's okay. If we do lose, we can still qualify for top four, but it becomes very nervy. And it almost kind of makes you less, gives you less clarity on the one mission that you're out there to achieve. Whilst Tottenham, as I said, just win. I don't know. I'm sure Mikel Arteta is going to do the right thing. Set his team up to win, right? And to sort of like give them no confusion in their minds. He'll set them out with clarity. But in the tough moments in a game, in terms of do you commit for that interception? Do you sort of, um, you know, press in a pack or do you just drop deeper a little bit? Mm. These things are a reflection of what's going on in your head. And in your head, if the players are kind of thinking must not lose today rather than must win, that's when I feel like the manager's clarity and the manager's messages might not translate to what actually happens on the pitch. And we're a young team, you know, so I always get to feel like with a more mature team, they'll probably be better at dealing with that, that sort of like knowledge that we have to play on the front foot and ignore the fact that we don't need to win the game whilst a younger team might let that creep into their mindset. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how the players deal with that confusion tomorrow. Yeah, listen, um, Mo, firstly, safe journey and, and get home safely the game after the game tomorrow. And that's just, and I'm being serious when I say that to a lot of Arsenal fans that go in tomorrow because... It's been a long time coming because um, a lot of people haven't been to the ground because of COVID and, you know, no fans. So the atmosphere is going to be absolutely electric. Um, score predictions, Mo? 1-1. One, one. Same here. Touche. Yeah. I think it will. I think we'll I think we get a draw. Um, obviously, I'd love to, to go and win, but I think a draw, I think we will get a draw. Sorry, Holly, in the <laughs> chat, but your boys are not getting top four. <laughs> but um, yeah, Mo, thanks for that, man. I appreciate it, man. Right, people, life stories is going to begin to... Mo, the first question I always ask my fantastic guests, your Arsenal story, my brother, uh, why Arsenal, earliest memories and influences, hashtag storytelling. Yeah, so it's an interesting one, you know, because like I think for a lot of people when you ask them this question, part of their answer must include like their uh, their parents or an uncle or an auntie or, or someone like that, a grandparent, you know, that has almost like created that legacy of supporting a team within a family um but i didn't have that my dad was not born in north london never mind england never mind europe my dad was born in pakistan he did not grow up caring about arsenal or or any football team for that matter so when he came to the country he actually ended up in newcastle so if he had yeah so if he had any vague affiliation to a team it was Newcastle and it's funny because he tells me when he went there he didn't understand anything anyone was saying right? that is not <laughs> the English that he expected to hear when he uh, came from Pakistan right yeah, but, yeah. but you know so when I grew up I didn't have that influence in fact I had like um you know within my like religious community one guy who was older than me he supported Tottenham and um 
you know, he almost like tried to convince me to support Tottenham. But luckily for me, I, I, I was always like quite headstrong, even as a kid. So look, in, in, as part of my faith, I'm not allowed to drink. And like a lot of a lot of young Muslim kids, they might fall into the trap of trying it. But for me, never even tried it. I never struggled to say no. If someone told yeah. me to do something, I, I never struggled with peer pressure and stuff. So I was like, no, I don't want to. Just the mere fact that I was Maybe. told to do something yeah. made me not want to do it. I just didn't like authority. So in the school playground, everyone was a United fan. And, um, and when I say United, I should clarify, Man United, because yeah. the most relevant United these days is Newcastle or even West Ham. Man United are that irrelevant. But the point is, back then when United were relevant, it was yeah. Man United. And people were like going after them. And I was like, well, no, I don't want to support them. I don't know how or why it happened. I remember in 1993, that's my earliest memory, it was the Sheffield Wednesday Cup Finals, League Cup oh, and wow. Epic Cup yes. in 1993. Yes. And yes. I remember being like very emotionally invested in those results and celebrating those victories. So at that point, I was emotionally invested, but I don't remember when I first loved Arsenal, where I first mm. kind of felt like, oh, I want this team to do well. And then I remember by like 1994, buzzing about the um, Cup Winners' Cup Final. 1995, I ran up to my room crying after we failed to retain it in the final. And then 1997 was my first ever game. North Bank, Highbury, lower tier, by myself. My mum waiting outside the ground for me. I was oh, 13 wow. years old. And when, when I look back at that, I think, man, that's mad. You know, the terraces are different now compared to the way the way they were back then. And I guess it was uh, only through the naivety of myself and my family in terms of what football can be like mm. that I was able to go by myself as a you know, 13-year-old Asian kid with big ears in the North Bank Lower, you know? Like, I stuck out like a sore thumb. But I remember in that game, we, we, um, it was Arsenal-Bolton. Ian Wright broke the goal-scoring record. Yes. He was my absolute hero. So I always loved Ian Wright. There was something about his charisma, his love for the game, the way he played it. As a kid, I could see that he was different to other people. And the fact that he got into it so late, it seemed to mean more to yeah. him. He was more on the edge, like every second he wanted to make it count. And I think that really resonated with me. So I'm sure he had a big, big part to play in that. And yeah, that's it. I went to the North Bank Lower and never looked back. And never looked back. That was it. I got the, caught the bug and, uh, you know, been going to games since then. Oh, fantastic, my friend. That, that's just why I like life stories, getting people's um, uh, stories as to how they got into supporting Arsenal. Like I said in previous um, life stories with myself, um, everybody, it depends when people are born and everybody's era is different. You know, when I came a bit more self-sufficient and able to afford games and go on my own, and sort of my my era started in the Emirates era. So, oh, my first game was, ooh, we played at home to Birmingham. It was 1-1, added by our penalty. I think that was 08, Jan January. Yeah, um, so yeah, not, not, not a great result, <laughs> to be honest with you. But listen, experience at the ground and never looked back ever since. So um, everybody's journey is different, but Mo, fantastic, yeah. man, fantastic. Do you know, I just want to pull up a comment. G Go Talks on. Arsenal said, Ian Wright is the reason why yeah. so many Gooners are G. Gooners. And do you know what? That's such a true point. Not even just when it comes to fans. I'm talking about just so many people. I think... At that point, um, like Thierry Henry has had like a global impact. Ian Wright had a, a really strong domestic impact yes. because the game wasn't okay. beamed around the world to the extent that it was in the Henry day. But Thierry Henry ran because Ian Wright walked in a way. Like it was, mm. if it wasn't for what Ian Wright created and made Arsenal so culturally relevant. Yeah. Let's not forget that even after he retired, he was doing talk shows and this and that. Ian Wright is just like, 
you know, I think it's a, it's a beautiful story, Ian Wright, where he came from to where he is now. You know, Ian Wright, at one point, he got put in prison for returning to a police station to pay insurance fines or something <laughs> crazy like that. He actually yeah. went to rectify yeah. his wrong. And um, then they chucked him in prison and he served like one a, one a week or two. Mm. And like, I think it was Brighton, if I'm not mistaken. He um, had a trial there, did really well, spent weeks and weeks. I remember that story. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they said, now we're ditching you. And he had a youngster to support at home. And he, he actually gave up on football um, before obviously Palace came and changed the trajectory of his life. I go back from that, such low moments of that Brighton trial and getting put in prison for these fines and stuff that he was trying to pay to, to now. Never mind the football element and all it's achieved in the game. What I find amazing about him now that, you know, when he first became a pundit, people sort of like rubbished him a little bit. Like he's only there yeah, for passion. Yeah, ridiculed him a little. Yeah. Now, yeah. when mm. he's there and he says something, when he uh, makes a comment about race or like the place of women's football, that actually becomes headline news. Ian mm. Wright says something on a Friday, on a Saturday, that's a BBC headline. That's just how respected and just shows how much like he has flourished as a person as and as like a um, really influential person for working class and black culture and football culture. You know, I, I would love to have an Asian guy have that level of influence and of universal that. love as yeah. Ian Wright to, to advocate for my people like Ian Wright does yeah. for so many black people. He's yeah. a national treasure. I, I loved him as a player and I love him even more now. Yeah, he's, yeah, he he's crossover appeal with even a lot of the um, footballers now, whether they're youngsters or in their season pros. Is I don't think any other ex player has that Mo. Yeah, he's like a father figure to so yeah. many like that, you know. And irrespective of rivalries, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans we see that and we don't begrudge it at all. If he's showing some love to Deli Ali or Marcus Rashford, whoever it might be, we see that and we respect it because we yeah. know what he's about. No, 100%, man. Ian Wright went to my old secondary school, right? Obviously, I, I wasn't around when, when Ian Wright yeah. went there. But, but yeah, we, yeah, Samuel Peeps, I think, when Ian Wright went there. Flipping hell. But yeah, he's done some amazing documentaries that if people haven't seen them, listen, they're easy to find and very accessible. Go and watch it. Tear jerkers in there as well, trust me. But Mo, fantastic stuff, man. Let's go on to the next one. It's an interesting question, Mo, for you. Um, who's the best non-Arsenal player, past and present? So you've got two choices. Who you've seen play live at the at a game that you've gone to. Hashtag tough choices. Mm. Messi. Messi, for sure. Just, you know, he he answers both. He's the best past, best present, you know, because he, for me, he's the best of all time, you know, even though yeah. he's obviously not a past player as such. But I think, like, in future years, you can ask me this question, it'll be Messi. You can ask me now, it's Messi. I think he's the best player to have ever, ever kicked a ball. Just, you know, he's an absolute freak. He's got no comparison. Nobody comes close. Mm. Not Maradona, not Pele. No one comes close. So for me, it's Messi. And obviously, I, I saw him at, um, at when Arsenal played Barcelona yeah. at, at the new camp. And, you know, he's just, he's just another level. But you know what? It's interesting because in that game, it's not that that game was an iconic game for him where he blew me away. He was still just phenomenal. But when I think about players that played in the Premier League, the one player that I always remember thinking like, wow, like he was good. That's non-Arsenal was Luis Suarez. Yeah. His tenacity just like never, ever stopped. And when he got the ball, the silkiness and stuff, he was actually a player, you know, as a season ticket holder at Arsenal, I do think to myself sometimes, like how lucky am I that every single player that's going to grace, you know, this Premier League season 
barring injury, of course, I will get to see. Yeah. So whether that's uh, like someone like Mares or whether it's someone like a Van Dyke or a Salah or a Foden or yeah. whoever it might be, I get to see them. Suarez was one that I was looking forward to and he didn't disappoint. His technique was just out of this world. Mm. But Messi's yeah. the number one yeah. internationally and then Suarez <laughs> domestically. Yeah. Now, there's something about South American players. I don't know what it is, man. Even with Arto Martinelli, Sanchez, it just yeah. built different mode. I I'd maybe I don't know what it is. It's that street footballer in them, and it's just something about South American players, man. It just yeah, they've, got, I, the I feel ex, like... they've got the extra sort of something. Yeah, you're right, and I feel like you know, in this country, I don't know what it's like in South America, but this is just my theory on it. That in this country, if you're good, you're at a club by the age of like seven or something, so you're coached. You're coached and coached and coached. Mm. And I think that kind of like abundance of coaching almost takes the maverick out of you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It, it yeah. establishes a bit more control in your game. Um, and it probably ups the percentages of people that make it overall, but it probably diminishes the number of truly maverick special players. Mm. So in South America, I wonder, like Messi's an exception, obviously, but I wonder yeah. like how many of the South American players were at clubs like picked up that that young. And as a result of that, perhaps they've managed to retain some of that rawness that makes them so special. Mm. No, well said, man. I think, you know what, even domestically, like for sort of my growing up, I think there's two players, like past players, I'm going to say. Um, I know people, Holly might be happy about this, but you wouldn't have been alive to see him play, but... Gaza was something else, um, Paul Gascoigne. He really was. Um, and you know what people remember if you're in 96, but in his early part of his career and before the, the, the injury in the cup final in the early 90s, done his thing, went to Lazio in 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 Serie A. And Gaza was he had that extra something because I could like that word maverick player, even mm. someone like Matt Letizia, you know, he yeah. played fantastic man, yeah. natural ability. Some of the goals that guy scored, if anybody Goes and watches like Premier League goals. Um, watch Matt Letizia. You'll 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 cry with you'll cry with joy. He's that good. Um, I think he only missed one penalty in his career. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. that goal he scored, like which is just ridiculous to imagine a player doing this now. They had a free kick. He's standing like six yards behind the ball. A yeah. player rolled it to him. He just flicks it up and volleys it in. Like you know, it's just like nothing. Yeah, it was it's crazy. Yeah, it's very, imagine, like yeah, seeing a player right. do that now. But yeah, it's mad. It seems to be some of the some of the some of the English guys that were naturally gifted, talented, like John Barnes and Matt Letizia, when they put on an England shirt, maybe it's pressure, maybe it was systems we can get into. But yeah, it just never materialized those two them them those two guys in particular. But yeah, naturally fantastic gifted footballers, man. But no, yeah. Mo, big up to you, man. Great shout, man. Right, let me crack on to the next one. I like this one, actually, man. It's interesting to get what your replies are going to be. Name me one past and present non-footballing icon that you admire the most and why. Hashtag the world of sport. Well, you know what? Like, for me, I football used to be my priority, yeah? Like, mm. do you know what? Like, it's funny. I haven't actually ever mentioned this, I don't think, so you're getting a bit of an exclusive here. Yes. You know, like, you're walking down the street and you get a chugger, you know, with those charity muggers, Yeah. Yeah. Or like someone might knock on my door like a salesman or something like that. Yeah. Or even like I'll be on the phone and then someone will say, oh, look, would you mind doing like providing feedback or something afterwards? The one thing I always used to say to people was like, okay, I'll do it on one condition. They'll be like, go on, what's that? And I'd say, you tell me who the greatest team in the land is. And then you see people do this thing yeah, where yeah. they don't care 
to try and guess. What they want to do is give you the right answer. So then they say like they they like look for all the context clues. Like if it's someone on the phone, they've got some of your details. They might like look for your email address or they might look for your location or something like that to yeah. and like try, try and guess who you support so they give you the right answer. But then I would say to them as well that don't just lie to me because I'm gonna quiz you. Not only do you have to tell me who the best team in the land is, you have to tell me like some trivia about that team, right? So like anyone would know like who yeah. did the right transfer from Crystal Palace, done. Okay, fine, that's it, you pass the test. And then I would do things for people. So um that used to be the way it was. But now I've changed. Like now what's important to me, and this is how well, I'll come on to the question that you've got. Yeah, yeah It's not right. important to me necessarily what goes on on the pitch or just about sport itself. It used to be my absolute priority. Now I'm actually more interested in, are you a Tory or not? If you're a Tory, do one, you know? And um, it's politics. It's stuff that's more deeper, yeah, yeah, more yeah. serious, you know, that actually yeah. matters to me. And on that basis, my answer now would be Muhammad Ali. And not yeah, because of what sure. he did in the ring, because... You can have various people doing great stuff in any sport. Like, for example, Roger Federer. I, I admire him and his style and the way he plays the game. But if someone said to me, name one truly amazing, inspiring thing he's done outside of the tennis court, he may well have done, but I'm not aware of it. But what Muhammad Ali did in his refusal to go to war and the way he was so unashamedly himself um, the fact that he had like the strength and the courage to convert to Islam, for example. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that as a Muslim. I'm just saying like that strength of character that he had and, you know, to mix that all with the talent and this and that and to just absolutely just conduct that respect like a magnet from yeah. everyone and that love. It's like, you know, it's crazy. You see other people. I think we're, we're lucky, actually. If you think about it, in this day and age, we're living in a time of goats. When you think about it, yeah. no matter what sport you look at, our lifetime has seen the goat. Whether it's tennis, you could say Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, whoever you think the goat is. F1, Lewis Hamilton. Football, Messi. Yeah. Um, snooker, Ronnie O'Sullivan. You know, uh, running, like, you know, 100-meter sprints, Usain Bolt. We're living in a lifetime of goats. But Muhammad Ali... No one has topped him. He's still there as that goat. So yeah, yeah, for me, I, I admire him just all round. I think he's been a, you know, just one hell of a guy. Yeah, great shout. People, yeah, many people said him. People said Michael Jordan, basketball. But again, um, with Michael Jordan, see, this yeah. is why I gave you that example of what I used to say yeah. to charity money. Yeah, 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 yeah. what I say now. Michael Jordan on the pitch, absolutely. But Muhammad Ali, some of the things that he did, when he refused to go to war, that's it, man. Yeah. No, well said, man. Well said. Big up some over that. People in the chat, thank you for your interaction. Like I say, smash the like button. I would say for myself, you know what? I, man, I've always mentioned before, like I, I, as much as I love Arsenal football, I, I generally love sport. Athletics is a massive part of my life. Um, I love cricket. I love tennis. love snooker, golf. I, I like most sports. Um, but for me, tennis-wise, people talk about, obviously, Federer and they talk about Nadal and Djokovic. Murray, and to be fair, Andy Murray's done his thing in a very, 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 very difficult era where those guys were just winning slams after slams, but absolutely loved Andre Agassi, man. Mm, Charisma yeah. personified. Um, won all four majors. The way that guy just used to dictate his opponents from the back of the court, it looked like he was doing a training session. Mm. It, it, they're running from side to side. He's just standing there. Backhand, yeah. forehand, top spin. Just for, for, for someone, for his type of game, particularly with around Sampras around that time, for him to win... Yeah. All the Grand Slams, even the French, 
traditionally mm. with a, a tough service like that. But applaud it to him, man. But Andre Agassi, man, loved him absolutely. Loved yeah, he him. was cool. He was a cool yeah. character. Yeah, and obviously, I think I think current wise as well. I have to throw Mo Farah into that because I didn't think I'd ever see anyone in terms of British athletics from a long distance um, point of view to have that kind of dominance and to win, I think, is it 10 global gold medals? <laughs> it's insane. Just, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, he, was an, he was amazing to watch. Even not to be there live, like the Olympics in 2012, I was lucky enough to go to the World Championships in 2017 in this country. And yeah, just to, to, to see that guy perform at, 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 the, at the level that he performed at, taking on the might of the Kenyans, the Ethiopian. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm going to see it again in my lifetime. Hmm. Definitely yeah, not a British player. Absolutely not. He's an Arsenal fan too. Which, which helps, Mo, which always helps. Exactly. Always helps, yeah. <laughs> no, big up to you, bro. Thanks for that, man. Uh, let's, we're flying through these, man. What have we got now? I've, I've no, I already know your answer to this, Mo, but I'm going to ask you anyway. We can talk about him all day, probably. Your most yeah, favourite yeah. past and yeah. present Arsenal player. Yeah. So the past, like I've already spoken about Ian Wright on this stream. You know it's just Ian Wright for me. I absolutely love the guy. You know, I've met him a few times. and oh, I'd love to meet him, man. Oh man, do you know what? When you do, yeah, you, you know, I've never, I've never taken drugs, right? But I felt like I was high. Honestly, <laughs> I was just, uh, my feet didn't touch the ground on the way home when I was going home. Like I was flying. Honestly, it yeah. was just, you know, people say don't never meet your heroes. Yeah, yeah. Ian Wright just absolutely makes it clear to me that you other people need better heroes because yeah. he is just like the most down to earth, nice friendly humble guy just around i love him to bits i told i've told him so many times i'll take a bullet for him um, and i'm I <laughs> him, like, like I, i'm not saying it like i'm serious if a gun yeah, yeah. in right I'm, you, I'm diving in front of you like i love you i absolutely love you i'll take a bullet for that guy man yeah but, he, um, he does he has that he I could sit here and reel off a million different words mo but he has that magnetism about it but even when he's not even talking about Arsenal him and Roy Keane when they get together man I just can't stop laughing, man. It just makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just exactly that. He's got so much charisma, so much magnetism. Just like wicked guy, man. Anything, Um, anything he's clipped in, but I have to watch it, man. Even when we beat, um, I think we beat Chelsea, and he worked. I think he works for the Premier League, and I saw some of the clips. He was, he was, he was just laughing, and nobody right. I saw. Yeah, man. He's a legend. And also, so many. uh, to so many fans, it's very important how a player treats the club after they leave. He's yes. always, always, you can tell, kept the club in such high regard with the way that he talks about the club. And, you know, obviously fans appreciate that as well. So massive respect to him. But in terms of a present Arsenal player, not too long ago, you know, there was a time where I did not like the team. There were so many yeah, people in the club you. that I thought, actually, I don't like you. I don't want your name at the back of my shirt. But <laughs> Now, do you know what? I think um, I think it's got to be Bukayo Saka for me. I just... Good shot. I, yeah. Maybe I'm biased, but I look at certain players and I think to myself, even if you're a rival fan, how can you hate them? So an example of that would be N'Golo Kante. I despise Chelsea. I like N'Golo Kante. Um, Edwin van der Sar at United. I thought to myself, do you know what? He just seems like a decent guy, man. No reason to dislike him. Mm. So um, one matter, you know, Play for both of these clubs. Uh, Do I dislike him? No, I just don't. I I think he seems like a a, a decent bloke, you know. And for me, Bukayo Saka surely has got to be that sort of similar people for rival fans. I don't see why anyone can dislike him. He seems really humble. He's never in the papers for any nonsense, for any stupidity, getting into altercations or being doing dumb stuff. 
from what I remember, he even like, because he's so young, you know, it wasn't too long ago, he was even doing well in his like A-levels and stuff or whatever it was, you know, seemed like a really good guy. And um, on top of that, we saw recently when Arsenal played Man United, McTominay, he um, punched the ball out of saw his hand when yeah. he was done with the penalty and stuff. Yeah. And it speaks to me about Saka's like, it's just God-given it seems, like this maturity that he has, that it's just hard to rile him up. Yeah, he's just laughing. He was laughing, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like, it's like he's so... I see, like, some wisdom in him in that he um, he almost, like, he knows what the game's about. He knows... He hasn't taken it personally. He processes things that happen to him like such a seasoned professional. McTominay's done that. It's not to annoy me. He's trying to put me off. That's fine. Yeah. What's, the way of, what's the best way of dealing with the situation? Laugh it off, pick the ball up. Don't, don't do anything differently. Score the goal. Done. And what I love about him is that a lot of players would, on the face of it, not react, score the goal, and then go up to McTominay. Didn't even yeah. feel the need to do that. He's yeah. just, like, impenetrable at such yeah. a young age. The maturity that this guy has got is something special. And that's why, like, I feel like, you know, he, he manages to just be so consistent because it's hard to knock him off his stride. Mm. So, yeah, Bakaya Saka for me is one that I've got a lot of time for, a lot of love for. Yeah, in regards to Saka, I'm going to work in reverse. So in, regard, in regards to Saka, I'm not surprised that you say that, firstly. Um, I think now, <laughs> with, with me, bro, like, regardless of whether a, whoever a player plays for, if you're a top player, you're a top player. Don't care about your age. Don't care about your nationality. If you're a good player, we play for Tottenham, United, Chelsea, Bolton, Accrington, Stanley, doesn't matter. I'll, I'll say you're a top player. I think more so now than how you feel with Saka, from rival fans, by the way, he gets a lot more plaudits. I've seen from a lot of people, big YouTubers, whatever, mm -hmm. give him a lot more credit than what they probably gave him in the last 12, 18 months. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but I think that's um, very relevant and, and very fair because, yeah. you know, this season I feel like he's moved on from people being able to say, you know, oh, it's, um, it's maybe it's temporary or something. Like, he's done it for too long now for anyone to doubt him. You can't just kind of say, like, oh, yeah, a lot of players do this. They come in, hit the ground running, and then blah, blah, blah. No, actually, do you know what? He's, he's been a really, really good player. And when Arsenal struggled this season, when I look around that pitch and I think, who's going to do something? He's yeah. my go-to guy. Yeah. And, and then I have to think to myself, hold on a second, he's a kid, but he's our go-to guy. So for me, that speaks volumes. Yeah, and the thing is, um, as much criticism as Gareth Southgate gets, he picked him in big games, semi-final European Championship, group games um, in, early, in the early stages. Get, I think he got banned in match performance in both the games he started. That's not by accident, people. Exactly. So, but I'll never you know, forgive flipping Gareth Southgate for picking him for the fifth penalty. Oh, Mo, honestly, I, I, I couldn't believe it at the time, mate. I generally, I was shocked. Generally I shocked. I can't believe that. I still, yeah. I'd love to sit down with Gareth Southgate and I say would. to him, explain, just please tell me. Because one thing I always try and do, right, and I've always tried and done, when I see a manager come up with a weird team selection, like as an example, Emery with um, Torreira in the number 10 role. Yeah, madness. I think to myself, okay, before I just start spouting and ranting and raving, let me, let ask me try you. and understand what angle he could be coming from. And I, and I, you, very often you're able to form a argument, whether you believe in it or not, that helps yeah. you understand where they might be coming from. Coming from. So with the Emery Torreira thing, I thought, okay, fine. Look, we all know in football, if you win the ball high up the pitch, your goal likelihood, like your goal expectancy, is very high because. Yeah. 
you know, the team, they don't have the men back. You've won the ball high up the pitch. Torreira's a specialist ball winner. And um, and that's why I think Sari also tried that with Kante at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. So I can understand why some managers might do that. Do I agree with it? No, but I can understand it. With Gareth Southgate, do you have a theory as to why he might have done that? Um, well, in regards to the penalty? Yeah. No, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. I Actually, some of the penalty takers, I was... <laughs> it depends what to take one, but Saka, I, I didn't get him taking the fifth penalty. I can't understand that. Yeah. I mean, any penalty, never mind. Him, yeah. And I, so I just sat there and I thought to myself, can I try and formulate a theory here that makes some sense it. to me? Yeah. You know, yeah. The dumbest thing is the only theory I could come up with, because Gareth Southgate that seems like a really nice guy and I think yeah. socially heart in the right place. Maybe he wanted the black guys to have the plaudits. Because because of the flipping racism that exists in this country, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe he thought let them be the heroes. That, that's one theory I have not heard much. So that's very interesting. But Possibly, I mean, but I can it can't understand. be. It can't yeah. be. No, yeah. no, no proper football manager is all of a, a sudden thinking let's try and like address the show, social the, the, balance. The shifted thing. social. I mean, yeah, yeah. If that's the best flipping theory I can come up with, I'm struggling, bro. I need <laughs> Gareth Southgate to tell me what the hell he was thinking. No, it's true. It's true. No, very good shout there. Like in terms of obviously, sort of my thoughts. Obviously, Ian Wright. Obviously, um, you know, two and a half billion pound, man. Wow, you think about that now. Yeah. Absolute bargain. And you know what? I, I when I talk about the like the Premier League's best goals, anybody hasn't seen Ian Wright's. One, you need to watch it. And some of the goals he scored, Mo. Like I, the the ones I think the ones that always come to my head. Right, you remember mm. them as well. I think it was against Swindon. It must have been a Premier League game. That chip, diagonal chip oh, into the top. Oh bid. my god! Is that on the touchline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one against Leeds, Ellen Rowe, oh, and John Lucas was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the second yeah. goal against Everton when he turned Matt Jackson inside out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeovil the chip in the FA Cup. Yeah. But there's one Ian Wright goal mode that I would love to the to. I I I'm buried in the cemetery. That goal. If you wanted one goal to typify mm. Ian Wright. His goal against Man United in the Community Shield for Palace uh, for Arsenal against Man oh, United. For Arsenal. Okay. Oh, wow! Oh, Instinct, instinctive, Palace, yeah. He didn't yeah. score too many against Peter Schmeichel, but hmm. to, the one he did score that goal for me typifies the type of striker Ian Wright was. Yeah, he Super. could do it all, man. Yeah, but, man. You know what I loved about Ian Wright? You know, when he got through on goal, no matter how much time he had, it never ever faced him. A lot of people talk about players that too much time's a bad thing and they have to go on instinct. Ian Wright, everything about him, when he would get through on goal, was textbook. Sort of, you know, getting across the defender. His touch was perfect in terms of not, not giving the keeper a sniff. Yeah. You know, one thing that he said to me when I was talking to him in person once was yeah, that yeah. he never used to like to go round the keeper because he had such a trust in his own finishing that he mm. thought, I know I, like with, with everything that he does up to the point of striking the ball, I know I can beat the keeper because of like his just awareness, his born to do yeah. it awareness of how to position himself in front of a keeper. He never yeah. felt the need to go around and do any of that R9 stuff. So, yeah, it just goes to show just the confidence he had, man. And what a player. You know, Mo, when you say that, it, it, it just comes rushing back to my head. I'm thinking of all these goals and I don't remember too many ways gone around the goalkeeper, to be honest. I yeah. don't. I generally mean that. And also, like, another thing, he'd always go to the right of the goalkeeper on penalties, yeah. for example. Just little things like that. He just, he was a machine. He had these methods and they just worked and worked and worked. 
Yeah, hundred um, percent. One player I have to big up. Obviously, we have. Mo, listen, we were spoiled with some of the players we had in the past, but one that always does always kind of stand out and people talk about him um, is Patrick Vieira, man. Like, mm. it's not even just the Arsenal thing, Mo, for me. Like, we have never had a player that's um, we never had a player like him since. I look at midfield. I look at the way he played, not just for Arsenal for France. Um, I don't think I've seen anything like it. Now, people make the comparison in terms of they, they look for players, they go, oh, who can we think of? They go, Kante. I say, look, I love N'Golo Kante. I'm not even a Chelsea fan, but please don't even, don't even ever come to me with that argument. No. What, compared to Bergkamp? No, no, Vieira, Vieira. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah, you said, yeah, in my head. Yeah, I'm be so confused, bro. <laughs> I'm so stupid, yeah? Yeah, yeah that's all right. Head, when you were giving me that intro, I was thinking yeah, no. Bergkamp. So even though you said Vieira, no, sorry, I've had enough. No, yeah, Vieira just, I, I, I I've not seen a player like him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and he could do everything. Yeah. That's why, Mo, when they talk about Premier League best 11s, right, the two midfield players I always pick, if we're, if we're picking a 4-4-2, for example, Gerard Vieira, all day. Yeah, yeah, I Every agree. Every single day of the week. I think, you know, uh, with uh, Vieira, when people try and describe him as, as a defensive midfielder, I always say to him, like, oh, okay, you know, that's you telling me that you like Vieira, but you never watched him. Yes, know? yes. But Patrick Vieira, yes, he was a defensive midf midfielder. Yes, he was a box-to-box -box midfielder. Yes, he was every type of midfielder you could possibly wish for, all in one at all times. He was mad. He was yeah. just another level. He could get forward. He could get back. He was the best tackler, best interceptor, just everything. He was yeah. a freak. He was a better. He, he was a better footballer than people give him credit for. Oh, big time! Yeah, you know, like the amount of times he just like pop the ball over someone's head, pop it over again. You know, just you know, it's just. Um, I, I, I've not. I've not seen. I've not seen anything as good as him in midfield. Not. Not with the way he played. Never. Not. No one even close. Yeah, someone just mentioned Yaya Torre there. I mean, Yaya Torre was never. Uh, as defensively aware and as switched on as Patrick Vieira. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Yaya Torre was no coward. I'm not suggesting no, no, that in the slightest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't up for the fight like Vieira. And because yeah. Vieira, you know, Yaya Torre was good. He was a, a tough, courageous player. But Vieira was another level. He'd drag teams through. Um, on, even if he didn't have the ball, he would drag teams through. He was special like that. Yeah, he was. But Vieira just when people have that, they, they I say, look, don't make, don't waste your time. I'm not ever going to debate with you about current players uh, talk, talking about Vieira. And you make the point, Mo. A lot of people would have, have not seen Vieira play. Yeah, which is which they can't help when there was born, obviously. But listen, yeah. let me tell you, people, man, different gravy, absolutely, absolutely. different. But yeah, Mo, this is uh, this is the question I definitely want to get your thoughts and opinions about the next one. Um, loaded question, really. To be honest with you, we had a little chat before we went live um, about the wonderful world of football and social media combined together. Yeah. So, how have you found your experiences of being involved in YouTube, stroke football, and podcast world? Negative, positive. Take it whatever way you want to take it, mate. Right. You know what? Look, uh, let, let's let's really cut cut to the chase here. I'm going to be really yeah. uh, transparent with you. You know, throughout my life as someone that's been really, really into football, whether that was playing football and trying to like play for clubs or whether that's talking about football, I have found my race to be against me, in all honesty, right? Not only my race as well, but, you know, if you want to get into this level of depth here, you know, like a class background. So yeah. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm, I make no bones about that. I'm very fortunate that, you know, I... Went to university, I got uh, qualified, I'm an accountant, I've got a good job, all that sort of stuff. 
the way I talk and stuff, I never try and fit in. I am, I'm just me. I just do what comes yeah. naturally to me. So, you know, I don't try and imitate anyone. But, you know, so in, in every way, like it's not like I've got tattoos and I talk in a certain way and I do a certain job. And for a lot of people, that doesn't fit the mold of a football fan and it doesn't fit the mold of what they want to see. Yeah. So throughout my life, so at my university, for example, I'm like I was a, I was a half decent footballer and I was at university for four years. For the first two years, I didn't get picked to my football club, you know, and um, they had six or seven teams in the in the in the university. Right. So I went for the trial, scored a goal. The game finished one one. And I thought, you know, what more can I do? I mean, surely I'm going to get in the team. Didn't get in the team. Didn't get in the team for two years. Went to every training session. Wow. Eventually, I um I was so the captains were forced to pick me because they didn't have enough players right at the start of an academic year so yeah. I got picked I scored never looked back ended up scoring more than 50 goals in two years like I, I just I was you know just on fire sort of thing and um people always used to say to me in the first two years oh do you play for the, do you play for the uni and I was like no why not I was like you tell me and you know the reality was that the way teams got picked with captains was that you have to go out on the socials listen to a bit of cheesy music get drunk do something dumb dress up you know in the silly outfits and costumes because they have this thing called father and sons a captain would dress up as a doctor so the sons have got to dress up as a nurse i'm not into that i don't want to do that i don't want to dress up as a nurse get drunk and vomit in a bush and stuff to get picked for a football team so yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah. and I, I know this to be true that yeah. that stopped me from getting picked and then when it came to um like the social media world and stuff like that when when like it comes to getting certain gigs you know i would refuse to do anything with any bookie for example it doesn't fit into my morals or, or my values so you know all the paddy power and the labrooks gigs and stuff like that i don't get those if even if yeah. i've ever been approached it's like no i don't get those so yeah i've always found that i'm swimming against the stream there a little bit in terms of um in terms of you know being up there but yeah. i'd always kind of felt like what's more important is just staying true to myself and um i i knew from very early on i'm never going to be the biggest person out there but the following that i will have will be like a very engaged following because the people that do choose to follow me or listen to me will know that actually you're going to get like some real integrity mm. and an example of that i won't name the brand uh purely i don't i don't need to talk bad about anyone yeah. but i was recently in conversation with a brand about them sponsoring my youtube channel and right. i said to them um all right before we discuss anything i want you to send your product out to me because there's no way i'm going to put my my name to a product yes. oh sorry no, my name to a product without actually knowing that this product is decent and that you know and that i believe in it or i actually would advocate for it because um you know people have an expectation of me that if they see something on my channel they expect me to have done some due diligence for them yeah. which is why i'm talking about it i think that's what integrity is for me and they were like no sorry we don't do that and, and i was like what but you sponsor every single channel out there so you're telling me not a single channel has ever said to you, not a single person has ever said to you that that's sponsored by you, that no, I'm not doing it unless you send me the product because I want to make sure people that follow me, you know, are getting... Madness, yeah. You know, integrity through mm. through this promotion. And for me, it just shows that, like, you know, it, things are harder for me, man, with the way I want to operate and my identity and what I stand for. No, well said, Mo. Um, yeah, how have you sort of found it since, like, for, take it forward towards sort of you starting your YouTube channel? Have you, like, what's what do you say is the positive and negatives in terms of anybody who wants to even 
start a YouTube channel, to be honest with you. Yeah, don't expect anything. Don't expect any favours from anyone. You know, unfortunately, it's one of those ones where at the start, when you're not a big deal, no one is going to care. No one's going to want to do you any favours. A retweet is free, but, you know, don't expect people to do it for you. Yeah. As soon as you become relevant, as soon as you get a good scoop or you want to, or, or you're a big time, people will be on your case. You know, it will just be nonstop. So that's just the way it is, you know, rightly or wrongly. It's just the way it is. So just be mindful of that. And, um, you know, it will take, it does take a long time. It's quite a saturated market, you know. So if you can try and think about what you can potentially do differently, what your, your, what your USP is. So, you know, you have some people out there, their USP is um, being ultra critical and that's their USP. If that works for them, that's fine. That's their call. My USP is that agenda free, very, very objective and honest, you know, and, and I hope people see that talking about that integrity yeah, again, where it doesn't matter if I don't like a player's personality or whatever. Um, if he or she or whatever is a good player, then I'll just say how it is and I'll swallow my pride. I'll admit when I'm wrong. And I think people respect that, that I don't have those sorts of agendas where it's not about me and me being proved right. Try and come up with what your USP is, what your brand is, and why you think people think actually this person's worth listening to over just a regurgitated version of someone else. And please, whatever you do, don't try and imitate anyone. Don't think that worked for them. Maybe I can try and do something similar because, you know, number one, it's lame and people will see straight through it. Yeah, Mo, great advice. I mean, we had a chat before we came live and I told you about my situation quite recently. And um, it's interesting you mentioned the um, race thing because one thing I sort of learned and I say to people, anyone that wants to get into the YouTube side of it or do a channel, like, like do it. Like, listen, but don't be blinkered. There are people out there that do not want the best for you. Hmm. And when they get the opportunity to try and throw you under the bus, they will. And what I what I would say to a lot of people, because I'm very comfortable saying it. Um, yes, I was born and raised in this country, but I'm but I'm a black man. And what I saw rec on recent months in terms of being involved on the platform um, and trending for the wrong reasons, um, I saw a lot of covert racism. Now, people think, oh, you know what? No one used the P word or the M word or use certain emojis. No, 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 no. With, with covert, it's very subtle and there's microaggressions there. And that is what I've clearly saw on the platform. I've experienced it in my personal life and working life. And I saw the signs of what I saw. Um, thankfully, a lot of the people who I've encountered, because there is a positive side to it, people. Don't think it's all negative because it isn't. There's some good people out there that will support you and will want the best for you and do amazing collaborations with people. I met some fantastic people, male and female on the platform. Um, I've been on the platform long enough to know that I'm not stupid or naive enough to know that. Listen, with Twitter especially, it's a very brutal um, platform. Um, it can be very, very toxic. Very different from Instagram. Instagram is a bit more, I, I like the crowd on Instagram. It's very different from Twitter. But people like, just listen, get into it. Um, it's difficult to be original, but just try it. Be yourself, man. Um, yeah. and, and you've got to have come a thick skin. Come in, come in, Mo. Sorry, man. You, you've got to have a real thick skin. Yeah, like, 100%. Honestly, if um, it's not worth doing anything that's going to affect your inner peace and your mental health, yeah. And for a lot of people, it does. You know, I'll, I'll you know, talk about Claude. God rest his soul, man. Yeah. You know, I used to say to him all the time when he was upset about a comment or, or you know, someone being rude to him, that, man, listen... You've had 
positive comments today. You've had 99 people come up and show you love. Yeah. You've had one person come up and say something horrible to you. Why does that one seem to carry more weight than the 99? And you have to train your brain to, to pay attention to the 99 because, you know, like on a journey home, if you're driving home, you'll see a thousand cars drive past you or parked up, this, that, the other. Mm. But if you see one car that has been in an accident, yeah, that's the one that will stick in your mind. That's the one thing you'll remember from your journey home. Like, oh boy, did you see that car that smashed into that lamppost? Because it's a bit out of the, out the norm and it's like, you know, surprising to see. You need, so I get that it's quite a normal human way of, you know, thinking. Yeah, of course. Please, if you're going to get into this YouTube game, don't give any greater value to the positive comments than the negative comments, but also don't give greater value to the negative to the positive. See the overall mood and um, and hopefully then you can like sort of manage your emotions a little bit better because it does affect people. Mm. No, yeah, yeah, Mo, listen, you've given some great stuff, man. Like I said, you're right about the thick skin because, listen, I'm a, for example, myself, I'm a, I'm a small YouTuber, but listen, I ain't got no, I don't work with no brands or I'm not trying to protect my image. Listen, I ain't got time for that rubbish. But, but just, just people that want to get into this, just be very, very well aware that people will be prepared, unfortunately, from a negative side to take you down at any opportunity. And I've experienced that, experienced that recently, to be honest enough to tell you that. Um yeah. And I've come through the other side of it because people saw it for what it really, really was. Um, and yeah, um, so I want to big up one person in the chat, actually. B, my fantastic lady, um, ex-work colleague who I met just before just before the Man United game. Um, she made a comment there, mate. Where's if I can, if I can find it? That's it. I'm an Asian woman. I'm not sure how that will go down in the male-dominated sporting, sporting arena. Any, any takes on that, Mo? B, listen... Um... Drop me a DM. If I can give you a little push start, I'm happy to do that. And um, yeah, listen, man, I'm here to support you. And it, it's not it's not as male dominated as it once was, right? And I yeah, think that yeah, yeah. the people the people that are going to give you stick for trying to do something and and talk and say what you want to say, they're never ever going to be your viewers anyway. Just discount them. They're dinosaurs. They're going extinct. You don't need to worry about them. Your target market is every other sane person that's not, you know. A dinosaur in that way so forget about them do your thing and i'm happy to try and help if i can mo fantastic man mo much appreciated man. i love b to b i will see you soon whenever it is when you're not busy working and you, you know sort out your diary um you sort something out but both love that man appreciate that for b man and um, b be in touch because she's on twitter as well um we got to chat quickly yeah Arsenal and i just respect to both of you mo for talking on this subject it must not be easy but needs to be discussed more honestly mass respect for not being for not being to talk about it openly and publicly. Thank you, Arsenal. That's my boy, Jake Clegg, who we met Mo after the Man United game after a victorious home victory of three points. But um, Mo, look, I want to get your opinions about Arsenal before we wrap up, because you've been fantastic, man. People in the chat, thank you for your interaction. Mo, this, is, this for me, was a perfect topic to, to get you on my channel, particularly with live stories, because it's such a wide variety of different answers to the questions I've given you. But Mo, much love, man. Um, yeah, oh, um, Arsenal. So four game, four, three, four games left. Three games left. Four games left. Three. How many three. games left? <laughs> I'm confused. Now. Everton, Tottenham, Newcastle, Everton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about top four, man? Yeah, for me, it's um, <laughs> it will be catastrophic failure at this point. Yeah. If we don't get it, so I think it's. I think we'll do it. I, I've got faith in this team. Listen, this season has been very testing. Let's be honest. There's yeah. no Arsenal fan that I think 
could, you know, have that shout from the rooftops sort of confidence and faith in this team because, man, they have put us on a roller coaster. Into, up to international break, we had like league leading form over the last five games and we come back, lose three. Then we go and beat, you know, Chelsea, West Ham, uh, Man United. Man United, you know, now Leeds. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a nonsense. You know, this team, <laughs> you cannot predict anything. So, of course, we, it's possible that we can go and mess things up, but I've got faith in my team. I think that for a young team, the thing that I was always worried about at the start of the season, at the middle of the season, was how are they going to cope at the end of the season? Being such a young team, not knowing what it's like to be dealing with a pressure cooker situation of aiming for a top four finish or the title or whatever it might be. When you've got nothing to play for, the pressure's off. But when you have, it's not. it doesn't feel the same going out on the pitch. And I felt like that crack showed in those three games that we lost. And now in recent games, we've done obviously a lot better. But the one thing I would say that makes me a little bit nervous is that when you look at the story of the games that we've won and how we've managed to turn around that massive yeah. blip of those three defeats, against Chelsea, Christensen gives Eddie a gift. Against Man United, Varane and Tellez, both of them completely miss across. It goes to Saka where we get the goal. Um, Leeds, Meslier, it was uh, yeah, what is doing? Yeah. A, a tackle. Let, let's be really honest about this. We've made our own luck in the games, and yes, we deserve to win. No dispute on that. But we have been given some gifts. So I don't think Arsenal currently are firing on all cylinders where I can turn around and say, no, I'm 100% confident. But given the situation that we're in, I think we've got such a commanding position right now to go and get that fourth spot that I think we will. And hopefully um, the game against Tottenham, gifts or no gifts, hopefully we go out there, stand up, be counted, put in a yeah. proper coming-of-age performance. That's what I want to see. I want to see a young team, the youngest average age starting 11 in the Premier League this season, show to people that actually, do you know what? Um, you know, we know how to deal with these really intensely pressurised games against your direct rivals for what you're trying to aim to achieve away from home. Not only that, the mix of a North London derby, and I want to see them deal with it and come out of it with their chin up. No, Mo, well said. And sometimes I think in life, it's, sometimes it's timing. So if we'd have played, if we'd come up against a Newcastle side that were in a rich vein of form as they were, I don't know, what, three, four weeks ago, it might be, it might, it might be, a, not saying it's not going to be, an, I'm not going to say it's going to be an easy game, but it might have been a little bit more difficult. Everton, the way things are going, it's, it's tight to call the other end of the table, Mo, but by the time they we play them, they might need a point to stay up, for example. Well, Leeds are losing right now to Chelsea and they're a man down. So, you know, if Leeds carry on like this, Everton might be safe on the final. They're safe, game. yeah. So it works. Sometimes in life it is timing. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. But Mo, man, I want to thank you for coming on the channel, man. It's been fantastic to get you on. Meet you in person, obviously, the first place. But charming man, man. Great to meet you, man. And I hope to talk to you a lot more about Arsenal and our beloved club. Not just this season with the games left, but in future seasons to come, man. So thank you for coming on, man. Absolute pleasure, Albert. Thanks for having me on and um, B, get in touch. And yeah, hopefully we go on and do it and get Champions League football after long six-year absence. Long time, hopefully we go back, start doing some serious stuff in the transfer window and get back to proper glory days. Yeah, 100%. Amen to that, my brother. People in the chat, thank you for your amazing interaction. As I said, people, obliterate the like button and I will put this on my audio later on my Spotify and Anchor so people can hear my dulcet tones people 
That is Life Stories, episode 14, over and out. See you soon, people. Come on, you gunners.